Hey everyone, Louis from Kick the Jukebox here. Just wanted to let you know that what you're listening to is the podcast version of Kick the Jukebox with shorter music clips. If you want to listen to the whole shebang, visit our show page at kpiss.fm. That's K-P-I-S-S dot F-M. Okay, thanks for listening, and bombs away! Kick the Jukebox is so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the jukebox, kicking a rhyme, talking about music all the time. Oh yeah! Hello everybody and welcome to our seventh episode of Kick the Jukebox. I'm Louis Perlman. And I'm Kyle Gordon. And I'm Jason Boxer. That's right, we've got a special guest today. We've got Jason Boxer. How are you doing? I'm doing so well. I'm very, very excited to be here. I'm a big fan. Jason, we haven't asked you this yet, so I'm going to make you do it on the air. How do you want to be introduced? What is it What is it about yourself that you need the burning world to know? Um, the world can know that I'm a story pirate. Mm-hmm. Woohoo! Which I think all three of us are. Yeah, we are. So, yeah. yeah. I uh, am very proud to be a producer for the story pirates. I help run the company. Yes, that's true. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Very cool. And you're also like a comedian. Yes, I do some sketch and improv. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also, you are a huge Weezer fan. I'm a major, gigantic, nerdo, obsessive Weezer fan. And I think, well, when I last spoke to you, I think you described it as you were actually in Weezer, like, detox, or... <laughs> I sometimes say Weezer recovery. Weezer recovery, yeah. Because <laughs> in high school, I was a big member of the online fan community, um, which was awesome. I have some friends Aren't still from those Aren't you, like, the czar of Weezerpedia? I was, and I guess I probably still am, an administrator of Weezerpedia, <laughs> which is an exhaustive, amazing online wiki dedicated to our favorite rock band. I was on it a little bit today... And just to like, because I know you mentioned it, and then it's like, you'll be on Weezerpedia, and then it will like have a link to like, like Weezer is a, you know, an American rock band, and then rock will take you to another thing and be like, Weezer's like rolling rock, and then like, you know, like, and then it'll be like, and Weezer, like, you know, they're a LA band, and then Los Angeles will have a link for like Weezer in Los Angeles, like, you know what I mean? It's just, it's, it's extremely exhaustive. It's in depth. <laughs> That, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're definitely a band, and we'll get more into this when we talk about them in the album, but they're definitely a band that's um, fostered this, like, very meticulous and geeky fan base that mm-hmm. I think we at Kick the Jukebox can appreciate. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Were you ever a, a member of any, like, geeky online fan communities? No, but, because I'm, like, too ADD to, like, sure. go and, like, spend a considerable amount of time or something. Although the geekiest online thing I ever did was my freshman year of college, I played a lot of online Risk. Oh, God bless. <laughs> Which That's I've, wonderful. I don't think I've ever admitted that. So. <laughs> <laughs> Only my roommate Garam Sakavar Alidze knows the truth about that. Um, Garam Sakavar Alidze also, who was a uh, runner-up in X-Factor Georgia, not Georgia the state, Georgia the country. Wow. Oh, good for him. That's yeah, impressive. Maybe we should have him on to talk about that experience we sometime. That'd really be really should. cool. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, I feel like on Kick the Jukebox, we end up just revealing these <laughs> dark inner <laughs> things about ourselves. Exactly. You know, you played Online Risk. Um, I murdered, you know, a member of... Um, 
talking the heads. Cars. Yeah, the cars. <laughs> yeah. Oh, both of them. And yeah. That's a, we uh-huh. can circle that. Yeah, yeah, I ran Rick Orr over <laughs> by, with a car. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, and we will talk about a little bit, I think, maybe about the cars. Uh, yeah, because they a have cars a cars link. Yeah. Yeah, there's Big a time. cool cars link. Yeah. I used to um, uh, be a member uh, growing up of the US Net group. Do you, Kyle's giving me a look like he doesn't know what that I is. I don't know what that is. I don't either. Those were like user groups for different things you want to talk about basically before Reddit existed. Hmm. And I was a member of alt.cult-movies.rocky-horror. <laughs> and I was like a major, you know, player in that online world. And then I went to a Rocky Horror convention when I was 19 and met like all of those people that I was, they were such big heroes to me on the online fan community. And then I was like, this went wonderfully. I'm putting this in a drawer and putting it away. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. yeah. That's, yeah. Cr- that's interesting. Uh, one thing I thought, and this, I'm, I'm, we're already going off the reservation. No, it's fine. Uh, on we're a doing previous great. episode, we spoke about Canadian singer-songwriter Bruce Coburn. Yes. Who's kind of like, uh, he's just like a singer song, 70s singer-songwriter type guy. But weirdly enough, he's not very well known here, but his fan page is, like, recognized as the oldest online fan page and fan community. Whoa! It's like the Bruce Coburn fan... No, that's cool. Like, Like, I'm glad we're talking about it because that's a cool follow-up to when we covered him. Yeah. That's amazing. Mm. I'd love to learn a little more about how that all went down. Like the Canadians when the inter- were ahead of the ahead of their ahead of the game. Yeah, when the internet was being invented in <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the mid eighties or early eighties, yeah. some lab guy was like, I love Bruce Coburn. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah right. totally. Oh, Canada. Mm-hmm. What a marvelous place full of wondrous innovations <laughs> and fresh air. Speaking of fresh air, should we get to our fresh new tracks? Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle, what, what have you been listening to? Um, I have been listening to all three of us here. We were at our friends, like, kind of secular Seder. Well, Louis. It was my Seder. Seder. Well, it I was can't... at Robin and Sean's. Yes. It was your uh, yeah, Seder. It's my, it's my uh, art, rock and roll, queer-friendly Seder I've been running yes. for, like, 14 years, 13, mm-hmm. 14 years. It yeah. was belated. Yeah, mm-hmm. very belated and very awesome. Mm-hmm. But I was, Louis has a very well-known love for bubblegum music in all its forms. And yes. then we got to talking about New Edition as like kind of a bubblegum rap group. And then I was thinking about the song Telephone Man. I was talking to you about it. And mm-hmm. I was like, it's an amazing song. You got to hear it. And so my song is Telephone Man by New Edition. There's something wrong with my life. So Kyle, why do you like this song so much? Well, I, I'll give a brief background on how I like weirdly got into like New Edition uh, over the past year. So I used to work in PR. It was a complete nightmare. Mostly I worked with like um, duty uh, duty YouTube stars, but um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, as opposed to high like, quality YouTube stars. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Of, of yeah. which there actually are a few. Like well, I'm a fan. The high but... quality ones are the duty ones, and then it gets worse from there. That's but, that's uh, fair. Yeah, um, but. Uh, so, some some things were interesting and fun, and one of the first things I got to do, and I really had no fucking clue what I was doing, but I got to uh, 
BET last year came out with the uh, the new edition movie, mm-hmm. uh, which was like a three part series on BET, and they had this huge promotional campaign. It ended up being like a big thing for BET, but like one of the actors on it was someone that my company represented. So I was like, you know, going around with him to all his press things in New York. It was pretty cool. And I got to meet Belbib DeVoe, who were broke off from uh, New Edition. And actually, everyone from New Edition was there except Ralph. Well, actually, it was just Belbib DeVoe. Um, but, uh, you know, going around with all those guys, I just started listening to more New Edition. And it's just like perfect, super poppy, bubblegummy, like early 80s, like R&B and... Well, the early stuff they did when yeah. they were like teenagers was like very great uh, R and B poppy bubblegummy stuff, and this is just like so great. It's like it's like if Michael Jackson stayed young forever. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. New edition. Some people call new edition bubble rap mm-hmm. or wow. bubble soul. Yeah, because it is. It's taking the, like, first two albums. Yeah, yeah, the first two albums. Because then they became like they're like a new Jack Swing album. They kind of uh, right? new Jack Swing, and then they were like, "Can you stand the rain?" Like kind mm-hmm. of the early '90s, like Deep Soul, like our early R. Kelly, Bobby McKnight type, like that when they grew up. Mm-hmm. But like the early stuff in the early '80s was definitely bubblegum rap. It was Candy Girl. It's called Candy Girl. Yeah, like, Candy. Well, Candy Girl. Is definitely based on the tropes of 60s gum. Like, it's like a direct ancestor of 60s gum. And then also, too, another thing that they do really well with Candy Girl is Candy Girl also is just like a Michael Jackson chorus or like a Jackson 5 chorus, like reconfigured. Right. Which is also what bubblegum is, is like, let's take something and blatantly rip it off and make it like for like nine-year-old girls. Right. But this song's a little more sexy, right? This song's sexy. It's a little smoother. This is them, like, growing up a little bit, but they're still teenagers, clearly. They still, like, have their voice hasn't fully broken yet. The video, I recommend everyone go check out the video. Um, not the, like, music video, but they did this, like, I, they must have been on some show. And they have these, like, bright purple sequin matching suits. And it's, like, blinding. You know that's, like, 70s camera thing? Like, 70s, 80s camera thing where, like, <laughs> everything that is, like, remotely bright, like, flashes in your face? Like, and the one thing, the last thing I'll say about it is just, like, I love that this song is, like, the themes of this song are, like, awesomely dated. It's about, like, <laughs> call 611 repair service. Like, <laughs> I, oh, everyone knows 611. Like, <laughs> dial 611. Like, uh, and, like, talking about the operator, like... Like, uh, like, uh, hear the click. Like, it's just, like, perfectly dated. As, as the three of us, you know, you guys are a little younger than me, but we all lived through the switch from analog landline phones yeah. to digital, to digital phones. To digital phones. Oh digital my god. Phones. Excuse yeah. me while I jump <laughs> off of a bridge. <laughs> um, to, to cell phones. And isn't it, like, still staggering to think that if, like, a kid listened to this now... They really have wouldn't no understand idea That's really what wild. any of this means. Yeah, yeah. Like they get what a call is and everything, but yeah. like, yeah, like an operator and holding on the line and all of those like really great rich yeah. song metaphors. You can't really use them anymore, right? Mm. Like it's 
Yeah, and it, yeah, it's like a metaphor, or it's like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's a metaphor, but like, you would not under, it's all phone, <laughs> like landline phone. Uh, yeah, like phone innuendo. Yeah, you know, phone innuendo. It, well, there's so much tied up in dating and romance and everything, talking on the phone. <laughs> right, mm-hmm. yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I just got off the phone with her, we were on the phone for two hours, yeah, like that doesn't happen anymore. Right, yeah, yeah. even in a song today, you wouldn't talk, like, a love song, you hardly would even talk about how you're like, Talking on the phone all day. Yeah, like, that's no, not even a thing. it's like anxiety provoking. Probably. Yes, you yes. Think about talking on the phone <laughs> yes, for more than exactly. two minutes. That, yeah, I could, I could hear, <laughs> I could, I could see in a modern song. Um, I can't think of any exa- examples off the top of my head, but like we texted every minute, mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. shit like that. Like yeah. we were texting all the time, like yeah. that, or like you text me late at night. Like I feel yeah. like that's sort of what it, that's turned into. But that also is a statement on the dysfunction of like modern dating yeah. in that like oh, yeah. I think it's much harder to connect with people now one of the reasons why is because you don't like chat them up on the phone for like that amount of time because those are all like mini dates and texts just don't have the same intimacy you know right. and like yeah. FaceTime would probably have too much intimacy uh, yeah. right off the bat I think so yeah yeah. Oh, we need to go back to 1980. Two or three, whatever this. Yeah, is send us back. we <laughs> want to go back. <laughs> lyrics that will return in this episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I want to go back. Yeah, like at least. Yeah, I was gonna say at least to like um, nineteen ninety six, right? <laughs> Isn't that when Pinkerton came out? Yes, yeah, exactly. Oh my god. Oh man. So, Jason, what what have you been listening to? <laughs> uh, I've been listening to a song called "Emergency Performance Art Piece" by a Canadian yes. band called The Most Serene Republic. Um, and I know of them because they're on the Arts and Crafts label, uh-huh. which is a broken social scene. Kevin Drew leads it. Um, and I'm like a, you know, moderate fan of this band, but this song is, and the band in general, they're like very arty, very orchestral, um, sort of complicated composition stuff. This song is in like two distinct pieces. And the first piece is driven by this piano melody that just blows my mind. I think it's so gorgeous and rich and... I kind of think the rest of the song ruins it. I just wish it was more of that piano line. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah, but it's cool the way it switches halfway through, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, can you talk a little bit towards the switch? Yeah, uh, the I think the main, most obvious difference is just levels of dissonance. The first half is so flowing, congruous. Uh, I think it's major key, and uh, there's like one interesting chord out of the mix, but the rest of it's pretty much what you'd expect from like pop song craft. Uh, and then the second half is this like lot of feedback sort of mm-hmm. uh, distortion over every I think instrument. It's a way less palatable section. It was interesting, yeah, because you hear the first part ends, and it's a pretty distinct break when the feedback, and then you hear that guitar, like, dissonant guitar come in. But then they do kind of weave it back into the, whatever, the first chord progression or, like, melody was from the first 
part of the song, but they do weave it in. But yeah, it's a lot less successful in the second half. It reminds me a little bit of Revolution 9 by the Beatles hmm. in a way that I think is really fun. Although, you know, Beatles fans skip Revolution 9 on that <laughs> al- on the White Album, which is stupid. You can't <laughs> listen to it every time. Can yes, you, you can. I listen to it every time. I think it's part of that album and what it is. I, you know? I admire that. <laughs> well, I mean, neither this song nor Revolution 9 are really that long. True. So it's not like it's like, oh my god, I have mm-hmm. to sit through this for 20 minutes? I yeah. never got past Please Please Me. I haven't heard the rest of it. <laughs> oh, man. It's all negligible. I know, yeah, you're yeah. like, this is garbage! Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's really funny. Like, <laughs> that's okay. Like, honestly... It's not being fun after that. It's not like having fun. <laughs> I know, you just want them to run around and have romps. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Kyle, if you, like, really hated the Beatles, I still... As soon as they stop chase- getting chased... <laughs> I'd still do this podcast with you because I'd be like, "Well, I have a band for you." Yeah, uh, like, the monkeys. You, who... Sell me on the Beatles. Sell me on it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I need to know. Yeah, I love that. That's amazing. <laughs> well, yeah, no, it's a very cool song, Jason, and all this Canadian music that I missed because I moved here. Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, like I sort of have like this great little indie Canadian cred up until like 2002 Mm. and then I stopped hearing about new Canadian music for the most part that's right around when arts and crafts blew up totally and yeah that catalog is really really incredible yeah I'd probably like a lot of that stuff I mean a lot of good stuff comes out of Canada Mm. you know like I kind of stopped at new pornographers Mm. who I'm gonna say on the air you know I'm gonna say it Uh they're not very good anymore (laughs) so maybe i need some new good canadian music i don't know them well enough to to contest that yeah i will say broken social scene is just like they're so so revolutionary amazing they're a close second for me in favorite bands yeah i can see the connect like the weezer broken social scene connection it totally Mm -hmm. makes sense to me yeah and they've got a bunch of ambient stuff instrumental stuff Mm -hmm. that is so intricate and the production alone like i i think a lot of their recording processes is like throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall and handing it over to a producer and saying like make sense of this Mm. yeah which is pretty cool yeah huh very cool well thank you for bringing that in jason Mm -hmm. but louie i know you've been listening to music what has have you been listening to just music (laughs) oh nice just like all music like i just listen to music now like i just say i I finished finished it it? yeah wow you finally got i mean there's so much to like nowadays there's so many options of things there's books and movies Mm -hmm. so to finally get through the music i got through the music please please me actually i get it yeah (laughs) it's that's an okay place to stop yeah i got through all of the music and what's great about that is now I get to start again. Oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just starting again from the beginning of the music. Yeah, yeah. that's really good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of cool stuff. A- Al Jolson. <laughs> yes, Al Jolson is the beginning <laughs> yeah, yeah, of music. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> start the beginning of the album. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> that's why, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. ABBA, yep. Al Jolson, um, Aerosmith. <laughs> and those are the A's. And that's it. <laughs> and that's yeah. The <laughs> So I'm, I'm bringing in a song that I actually don't know a lot about, and I'm not going to pretend that I know a lot about it, but I heard it, I was watching this Netflix documentary that I, I really enjoyed, and certainly has some issues, We both Kyle and I have issues with it, we've talked about it, it's called Wild Wild Country, but it really was so slickly produced and told such a self-contained story, so I would recommend it, and then in the, pretty much, I think in the middle of the, of the show, there's this like 
80s dance, like, (laughs) crazy dance sequence. And they used this song that I had to find, I had to Shazam it, that's called Sour and is by a band called Void Vision. So I don't want to say that I know a lot about Void Vision. I found one article online written about them that's a Vice interview that apparently they're a dark wave band and apparently a few years ago, like about 2012, they were making waves. They were a band that one of them I think lived in Jersey and one of them lived in Portland and I think it's two women. Um, But I really haven't been able to find a lot about them. Apparently they were at this dark wave festival and one of the keyboardists from Erasure came up and said that they, he thought they were really great. Oh, also, you gotta play Erasure. D- Louis DJing my party. So oh, yeah, I'll play Erasure. I think I'm seeing Erasure this summer. What? Yeah, they're playing. Okay, great. We'll figure it out. I'm a Vince Clark freak. Mm. Okay, we'll figure it out, because I, I really love Erasure very yeah. much, yeah. But this song has, like, such... Uh, it has a great groove, which I love. And then it has such lush synths, which for me is, like, mm-hmm. so important and like just like this like trill that's so gorgeous and then the the vocals and this is also a remix thing because i've listened to the original version of the song as well but the vocals are like a little more secondary but like they're kind of like ethereal and a little mumbled and she's sort of singing i know she's singing love to love you which i also like because it feels a little like a donna summer reference which i think is really cool but yeah it's just it's so rare that you basically i'm not gonna pretend like I know a lot about this genre you know like last month was the month last episode was the where I was like I'm going to talk about bubblegum rock for half an hour on my yeah. show <laughs> but that's not the case with this right. I don't know a lot about this genre and I'm very excited to learn more about it um, it's really always really fun when you realize when you connect with like an entire new genre of, of music and dark wave basically sounds like if you know Depeche Mode just like never ended mm-hmm. you know yeah um, and, uh, also, you know, it reminds me of there's this other genre that's like related, but I've been really into that I want to get more into and then talk more about on, it's mostly like an internet genre that's called, um, uh, new, new wave. Hmm. And it's all like dance music that sounds basically like it's the soundtrack to like an eighties action car movie. Mm, okay. And like the soundtrack to like drive fits into it, but it's like heavily synthesized, like uh-huh. deep dark with like this groove. And like, I'm finding mostly that it exists like on the internet. Yeah. And I think that's really for an old timer like me. <laughs> it's very exciting. That's cool. I, I agree with the general, like, Almost more exciting to me than finding a new band like that you really love is finding a whole genre that you just have like where it's cool where the genre is bigger than any individual artist in the genre. Yeah, you know what I mean. And you can just kind of like you you just need that sound and you'll get it wherever you can get it. You yeah, know? yeah, or or that there's maybe some good examples of like early versions of the genre that then spawned, right. you know. But Darkwave, I don't even know enough about it yet to know that, you know. As opposed to uh, Weezer, who really spawned emo, right? You know, where you can like point to Pinkerton and be like, "This is an example of X Y Z," which we'll talk about, which yeah. hence begat you know, this entire genre of music. Which is a flawless transition. Yeah, yeah, which is great. So before we talk about Pinkerton, I I do want to talk a little bit about one of our explorations. 
that we went on recently, Kyle and I. I think I know what you're going to go. I think I know where you're going to go. You know, we're big dumpster divers. Oh, okay. And... (laughs) I thought you were going to shit on Kanye, but... (laughs) Oh my god! Yeah, well... Do we want to... We don't have to shit on Kanye. We'll just say fuck Kanye and we'll go on. Yeah, (laughs) that settles it. So disappointing. We don't need to say anything. Just fuck Kanye. Well, we did... I just want to say in our defense, we did that, like... Two months ago? Three, where, where the Kanye we? episode? Yeah. Oh, we did that uh, in like September or so. We did that in September? September, October, oh yeah. Oh my god, I have no sense of time. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so it was a while ago, but oh my god, he's just yeah. clearly suffering from some sort of mental break and the whole thing's really sad and it's ups- the whole thing's really upsetting. I, yeah. I'm just sad about that that whole thing. Yeah. Poopity scoop. Poopity yeah, poopity scoop. Scoopity poop. Scoopity poop. Poopity scoop. But, but with the, sorry, yeah. but that being said, yes, I now I know you we 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 went in some du- we went in a dumpster. Yeah, well, something you know, I'm learning about you from listening is that you are fond of dumpsters. Yes, we are. Thank you. Thank you, Jason. <laughs> yeah, we are fond of dumpsters. So like we went on a little trip to Boston. And we went to Harvard, and we just went rummaging through dumpsters at Harvard. And first we found a series of, like, reel-to-reel tapes that were labeled original songs from the black hole. So we threw that away immediately. Yeah, it was like, this is stupid. This is clearly garbage. Yeah. Okay, just go on. Okay, yeah, so we threw that away. Why? Would you have wanted to listen to that, Jason, for some reason? I couldn't explain that in in the terms of this podcast. (laughs) Okay, that's fine. So never mind, never mind. And then we found another tape that just said, A Fight With My Roommate. Yeah. And we took that one, obviously took that one. Yeah. And it was Rivers Cuomo. Yeah, it was It was labeled R. Cuomo. Yeah. And uh, A Fight With My Roommate. And there's some gold on this yeah pure gold so you know what let's stop talking about it and just listen to it let's take a listen the year is 1995 i sit alone in my top bunk Alone in the world. School's so hard. Hey, pussy! Uh, hey, pussy! I'm gonna need the room for another, like, half hour. My girlfriend's coming over. Hey, dude. She's actually in the hall. Yeah, she's in the hallway. Hold on one sec. Uh, yo, g- Denise! 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 Is she actually there, Dave? Denise! Oh, here she is. Yeah, get, get in here! Uh, so we're gonna... We're probably going to go to town for the next half hour to an hour, so we're going to probably need the room. Denise, this is Rivers. Uh, Rivers, Denise. Whoa. Uh, I, um, I actually have to... I can just put my he- headphones on. It's how weird. I have to study, dude. No, dude, get the, get the fuck out of here. Dude, get the fuck out of here. Dave, I, I wish I could stand up to you. I can't. Dude, dude... You you should stand up to me, honestly, but, like, it's more, even more pathetic watching you just wiggle around, all right? Okay, okay, I'll, I'll just go out. I'll just go out. I'll leave. Take your Kurosawa VHSs and get out of here! Okay, I'm out in the hallway, and I'm, I'm not, I'm gonna try hard not to listen to what's going on in there. I just saw someone, and this is the way that love works. I know this is the way that love works. I just looked at them for maybe two or three seconds. Denise, that's the person I should be with. Oh my 
goodness. I bet that she likes all the same music as me. I bet she tells really funny jokes. You know what? I wish she would never talk. That's the way that I love my partners to be. Hey, Rivers, it's me, your RA, Jeff. Uh, hey, I'm just Jeff. wondering why you're out in the hall instead of, like, inside or maybe, like, outside doing something, you know? Uh, well, it's tr- it's hard for me to, you know, be out in the sun. Uh, I don't quite like to see other people and, and, and be social. Uh, you need some sunscreen, buddy? I could lend you some. Uh, or... no, 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 it's okay. It's all right. Uh, I'm not breaking any rules, right? No, it's just when I see a, a freshman out in the hall, like, standing alone, you know, it's kind of my job to make sure everything's okay, that things are good, yeah. Well, I am, like, past my 20s. I'm, like, a little older than most of the kids around, so... Are you, you a little buddy? You wouldn't guess it by yeah. how I look or how I sound. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I just, you just seem vulnerable all the time, so I was just wondering if, like, you're okay, you know? I am okay, I am okay. Thanks for asking, though. Hey... Sorry, dude, I I came on your manga. My manga? That's special manga. <laughs> That's special to me, Dave. Ugh! It's alright. I'll, I'll just make do, I guess, as I do with everything else. Um, say, say, hi to, say hi to Denise for me through, through the door. Can you? Shut up, pussy. Ugh. That Rivers had a hard time in college. Man, I could never have imagined it would be like that for him. Yeah, yeah, this is shocking. You yeah. know, I thought he'd be like big man on campus. You know, and that's the thing. And I think I mean, he transitions well into Pinkerton. You know, he may have been a big rock star, but he was struggling. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he was struggling. So many of his later songs make me think he has bravado. But Pinkerton reminds me that there is a vulnerable soul underneath all He's of that. He's a scared little boy, a 25-year-old man living in the freshman dorms at Harvard. Uh, that, was, uh, that, was, that was a revelation. That was a revelation. Opening, opening, eye-opening. <laughs> Jason, here's like a question for you. Yes. So... You know so much about this timeline here. Mm-hmm. So can you like set up for us, now that we're going to talk mainly about Pinkerton? Totally. Sort of just like the story of Weezer up to Rivers Cuomo going off to Harvard. Like basically he, yeah, yeah. I just, I want to hear yeah. it from your perspective. Yeah. Sure. Um, well, the Blue Album is thought of now as like, an all-time great. I think it's it's in Rolling Stone's 500 greatest albums of all time. Yeah. I don't think that would be con- like if someone put them, if someone put it in their top five, top ten, like yeah. that would not be controversial. And I adore it. It's an yeah. absolutely incredible record. Uh, it didn't come out of the gate that successful. It was kind of slow burny success. Is that true? Yeah, um, because they didn't have a major following before they were signed. Right. They were kind of like big in the L.A. Sunset Strip scene, mm-hmm. and they were like pulled out of nowhere by some A and R guy from Geffen Records. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, all of that changes 
because of the the amazing Spike Jones. Yeah, because of his video for right. Buddy Holly. Yeah, which everyone's seen mm-hmm. because it was at one point bundled with Windows computers. Yes. So <laughs> like that's really ubiquitous, and that's yeah. a huge amount of exposure for a band like that at the time mm-hmm. that you could just watch this Weezer video, and it was the Weezer cast. Or the Weezer cast. Yeah. It feels the like cast they were of cast. Weezer. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight. The original cast of Weezer. Tonight, Patrick Wilson will be played by Patrick, Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, no, but it was it was the band members. And Rivers Cuomo will be played by Toby Maguire. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a great like made for TV River or like yeah. uh, Weezer movie. Yeah. Mm. But it was all of the guys from Weezer um, put into. Uh, through blue screen, right? Through blue screen put mm-hmm. into a Happy Days episode. Yeah. And it really at the time was revolutionary. Nobody had seen anything like it before. And it's still really such a such a fun funny video. Yeah. Um it's, it's amazing. It's classic. Yeah. yeah. I think it's probably of some of the greatest music videos. It's it's one of the best. Oh, certainly. Yeah. Certainly. I used to teach a music videos uh, unit for a class I used to do for kids, and I would always show it. Wow. And kids yeah. loved it, even though they didn't know what Happy Days was. Yeah, yeah. They just could see how funny it was. They loved watching the Fonz dance. Yeah. You know, like it's, yeah, no, it's, it's I great. I love watching Ron Howard get mad. Yeah, <laughs> Ron Howard gets mad. <laughs> and what, what it was is they sifted through hours and hours and hours of episodes. I think mm-hmm. it was like a super laborious process Mm -hmm. um but yes they go from like you know a sort of moderate alternative rock band to like a gigantic sensation because of this video and And also just for listeners that don't know them as well as Mm -hmm. the three of us do just when you say the blue album oh yeah that's their debut Mm -hmm. and it was self-titled and at the time was just a blue background but then they decided to follow that motif and they also have a green album a red album uh a and a white album, right? Mm-hmm. That's and it. They're, they're threatening a black album as well. That's right. Mm-hmm. They're threatening a black album. Yes. <laughs> the uh, little new Weezer releases are threats. Is at that going to be like a metal album? <laughs> yeah. it is, they are threats. They're like, oh no, really? You're doing this <laughs> again? <laughs> okay. No. Wait, is it going to be a metal album? Uh, I don't know. Because they have to be, if you're going to do, you got to do Metallica. Yeah. Do yeah. If it's a black album. And like, you know, to quote... Or, or a Jay-Z a rap album. That, yeah, which he's been saying he wants to do, and he's done some of Rivers. Yeah, he, he's he done some a little on this. Yeah. Like, he does, like, kind of Beck style. Yeah, Beck yeah. style, yeah. Yeah, yeah but also, yeah, like, yeah, Weezer albums, you're always asking yourself, I need to make this joke for Weezer Geeks. You're always asking yourself when they're released, maybe you will break my heart next summer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? like. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, oh boy. we'll talk about it. But yeah. Uh, but also important to mention about Blue Album that, like, stylistically, it was sort of definitive for '90s pop rock in mm-hmm. that it was very sincere, very honest. A lot of like one, four, five chord progressions, just like cheery major key, mm-hmm. really amazing pop music filtered through the edgy punkiness of rock and roll. Right. Um, but it doesn't get too emotionally deep or complicated mm-hmm. uh so the combination of that the album being of that nature and then them becoming this blow-up success because of buddy holly left the band in this position where i think it was like sort of they were getting a critical response once the video happened that they were superficial they weren't artists they were only big because they had a really cheeky video mm-hmm. um and the ever anxious perennially self-deprecating Cuomo 
took that to heart extremely. Um, I actually didn't know this until recently. Um, I came across this quote online that I, I haven't been able to find since I came across it originally, but it's in the Pinkerton Diaries, which he released alongside his third solo album, which is like a compilation of demos. Yes, yeah, which I've heard, which are all really fun. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and the diaries is this, he just literally published his diaries from the era when he was writing this record, which is crazy. Um, but there's this amazing segment in it where he's, after Pinkerton has been released and not succeeded very well, he writes in it, I am a bad songwriter. It was all because of the Buddy Holly music video. So he, this was wow. very heavily on his mind that he wanted to prove to the entire world when he wrote this record, I am an artist. I'm going to write the most convincing, sophisticated piece of music ever. That so. makes a lot of sense. Because mm-hmm. uh, I just sort of saw it as... I mean, it, it's true, but like I saw it as like, I'm a huge rock star, so I'm gonna... It makes more sense that there was some... It's It was more calculated than that. Mm-hmm. Um, that there it was like... He had something to prove to other people rather than, I'm so big, I know I'm so big, I can do something big, and I'm just going to turn inward for its own sake. Does that make sense? Interesting, yeah. It was probably a little bit of both, but he was really torn up about it. Right. That makes a lot of sense. And it's actually interesting you're talking about him being so big because the impetus for the project was related to that. The first version of Pinkerton was Songs from the Black Hole, which was this completely harebrained melodramatic i was about to say like yeah like the sound of it is like my nightmare <laughs> i hate the idea of that yeah thing. yeah, yeah. A, a if rock... i hear space opera and you're talking about an, uh, an album i'm like get it the fuck away That's from me so funny get it away from me yeah. yeah but you like theatrics you know i like theatrics i like i like um like i like emotional expression but i like pop songs and i like i like you can have a i like themes yeah and i like you know either musical or lyrical themes but like as soon as you tell me like this is a fucking opera with like three suites like no 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) well i'm a dork for it but i think it's because i love weezer so much and because it was this like aborted project that never existed i think objectively it's actually pretty mediocre (laughs) yeah yeah i mean i i recently listened to it for the first time and or like a version of it that exists on spotify that Uh is like a fairly well calculated version of what that album would have been um, compiled from demos and then like and early Pinkerton versions songs. of Pinkerton songs. Yeah. And like, I, I think that, you know, I always like it when uh, musicians try to tell stories through their, through their albums. You know, I think concept albums are really fun. This isn't the concept album that I think works the best, but to me it feels like a really strong first draft. Mm-hmm. So... What do you mean, Pinkerton? No, I mean songs from the black oh, okay. hole. Like, I feel like if he had decided to go that route, and it seemed like the other band members were fairly enthused about it, and they each got little parts to sing on it, and they mm-hmm. all played themselves. Kyle is shaking his head. <laughs> he hates <Blue>. it. <laughs> That's so funny. I remember I watched some like prog rock documentary, and then like at the end of the documentary, they're talking about. Oh, Procol Harum, which was, like, a big prog rock band, and they were talking about the death of prog rock, and, like, 
you know, it kind of died, like, with punk and the early 80s, people were like, fuck prog rock. And then the guy from Brokaw Harm is so sad. He was like, yeah, we were about to release this album where it was a, you know, a three-part opera suite. It was going to be three hours, and each each instrument was a different character in the opera. Uh, and I was like, whoa. this is why that needs to go away forever. That's so funny. Like, the flute was the, like, you know, the, the pixie. Was... Yeah, like, was like, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, I can totally follow this narrative arc of, like, ugh. Fuck. Mm. Anyways, I don't want to... It's the only been called. It was great. Okay, Rivers of Oz. So, so then, so then he, he, why did he veer away from doing that? What was his decision mm-hmm. to not do this like concept rock record? Yeah. yeah. He had a lot of songs written for that that would end up on Pinkerton, but the concept for the record changed when he got this letter from a fan. Um, and it's from an 18 year old Japanese woman uh, who wrote to him kind of adoringly, asking him all kinds of questions about who he was because she just seemed to really fancy him um, and why wouldn't you yeah yeah he's, he's quite the little geeky heartthrob <laughs> he's a little geek chic yeah, he's fellow sort of definitive geeky heartthrob yeah, yeah. agreed um, yeah we've all had our crush on rivers at one point or, or another sure. yeah mm-hmm. but he's so he's at uh he, he's had, has enrolled in harvard at this point um as part of this ongoing effort to professionalize himself as an artist uh, studying Italian opera, he's joined the choir. He, although he he auditioned for a variety of choirs and had the big beard that he was that he had when he was writing the record and was sort of unrecognizable. And he wanted his just talent as a singer to get him into the highest level of choir, and he didn't get in. <laughs> so he was singing in some like intermediate level choir. Oh, that's great. But yeah, at any rate, totally expanding his knowledge of song, uh, music theory and really getting obsessed with Italian opera, particularly Madama Butterfly, which I guess is sort of the most famous of Italian operas. Mm-hmm. And um, we saw it recently. We, we went on a met. friend date, and we were like, let's see Madama Butterfly, then talk about Weezer. It was so fun. Oh, gosh. The show uh, is just gut-wrenching. It's, yeah. And amazing. It's pretty interesting because it's super anti-imperialist. Mm-hmm. It's about a general who's stationed in Japan who marries a uh, 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 Japanese woman and, like, professes his love for her, fathers her, her child, and then leaves and says, I'm coming back, when he has no intention of coming back. And then this drives her to despair, mm-hmm. and she commits seppuku yep. at the end of the show. Oh, gosh. So it's, it's pretty... Um, I'd say it's pretty anti-male... Mm-hmm. All things considered, so it's interesting that this was such an uh, inspiration for Rivers, because Pinkerton is fairly self-deprecating as well. Oh yeah, but still not in a way that's like, I don't know. Do you think he expresses growth in Pinkerton or change? I mean, it's so weird with kind of what happened with him, you know? Yeah, I don't have a clear answer to that because yeah, and I, that's part of in a way the appeal of the record is that it's so messy and complicated and all that stuff. It makes it problematic. It makes it scary. Uh, but yeah, the 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 main character that of that opera that Louis is describing, his name is Pinkerton. So the whole album shifted once he got this letter from an Asian woman and cast himself in this role. Hmm. The synths kind of disappeared. The distortion got turned way up, um, and the song craft just like in like 
increased by you know uh orders of magnitude he just really leaned into this being an incredible piece of composition you are 18 year old girl who live in small city you heard me And it yeah. is a beautiful album, mm-hmm. and on multiple listens, it always reveals something new. I found that yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, and it is somewhat intricate, and also like more melodic. The more you listen to it, really more interest, very interestingly melodic. Mm-hmm. Like his vocal lines are very particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I've I've also found a sort of unsung part of the record is the rhythm section. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. And I was really pleased that um, in the when it got reissued, I think in 2010, uh, the Pitchfork review kind of sung the praises of Pat Wilson and Matt Sharp, who the drummer and the bassist. The drumming in particular is, I think, some of the best percussion in any modern rock record. It's so musical. It's it like he could be playing it on the piano. It's just it's so in step with everything else that's going on in the song. He, there's like few instances of polyrhythm where he's playing separate rhythm from the rest of the song. It's just tremendous. Yeah, it's very innovative. Yeah. And, you know, and it, it's, it spawned an entire genre of music, and it makes sense because everything, I'd say all the parts of the album, uh, the, it's really the band functioning as individuals in support of this whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah, in a way that I think is really stellar. And it's a shame that. Why? Why do you know sort of the reasons why Matt Sharp left after Pinkerton? Because he was their original bassist. And I think he had so much to do with those first two records and why they're so good. Yeah, I, it's clouded in mystery. There's, mm-hmm. I think there was like an NDA signed and stuff. Really? Yeah, which is you know a whole chapter. Well, there's been suits, right? Yeah, that too. Yeah. yeah, there's a whole aspect to Rivers as the songwriter of the band as this like. Uh, di- um, dictator of the band too mm-hmm. where he's like very intense about the business of how they operate and uh as as far as i know the sort of like uh like approved for the public version is that he wanted to invest in his side project band the rentals yeah yeah um which he then which went is off which, and which i love i yeah, love yeah. the rentals yeah he wrote seven more minutes after mm-hmm. pinkerton and was gone i think by the time it was done yeah, he was off with the rentals. Yeah. Yeah, I've, I've seen wondered... the rentals live. Me too. Yeah, yeah. they're great. He's yeah. a very good bassist. Like, yeah. he's a great live bassist. I think they really lost something in him, which, like, most Weezer per... fans don't disagree with, you mm-hmm. know, like, yeah. I think mostly what you lost, what we lost when we lost him was, like, a sort of intangible character that he, like, added a, a like, a punky, more subversive nature to the band he was he, the Keith Richards of like that, and he also had, like, he had he was the other one who had a strong personality, mm-hmm. yeah, and sort of the antithesis of River, Rivers. Yeah. From what I understand, is that he's like a fun, outgoing, kind of quirky guy. All yeah, the yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. He did big poses on stage. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. He would actually try to like. I think there was a lot of infighting in the band because he wanted to like introduce songs in concerts. He wanted to have like oh. the front man persona, even though he really wasn't. Right. 
like everything he played, Rivers wrote note for note. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Although, is that true? Like, like there's okay. no. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't contribute to the way the bass lines fit within the songs, or now that you ask me that, I, I think for the bass lines, absolutely not. But I imagine his backup vocals because they were so like characteristic. You know, I, uh-huh. I think he had a share in yeah. composing some of those melodies. So would Rivers? This is a question that I honestly don't know the answer to. Would he bring in full arrangements? Like he wouldn't bring in like like so like Pat Wilson was never like the drums sound like this, mm-hmm. or like Brian Bell, like the other guitar part. This is this is how I hear it sounding. Like they they're not really the contributors. Rivers is the driving force in terms of the way that band sounds and continues to sound. It's interesting you ask that because Pinkerton is the record where he did the the least amount of that. Where Rivers did the least dictating, actually, yeah, of musical playing mm-hmm. because while he was at Harvard, he had a reconstructive surgery on his leg. Yes. He was born with one leg shorter than the other. Oh, my God. So the procedure was the bones in his leg getting broken in an extremely painful sort of ongoing process. And then they just had to grow back together in a longer way. Uh, But that meant he was really immobile and wrote a lot of the music sitting in a chair in a, like, sort of position where he couldn't move (laughs) and didn't bring large drum tracks to their recording sessions. Uh I do think the case is still that a lot of Matt Sharp and Brian Bell's playing on that record was written by Rivers. But I don't know specifically. We're speaking about the drumming before. I think it's a testament to the fact that that's the most interesting record as far as their percussion goes Mm. because Pat Wilson just got to actually compose. And he's a pretty incredible musician. Yeah. After Pinkerton, their whole career, he's doing nothing. He's just (laughs) sitting back. And mm-hmm. I think it's because Rivers has kind of kept him locked up in that way. Yeah, yeah. And they're part of this really, really, really successful, uh, very, you know, this band that is constantly touring and constantly making new albums. And they're certainly well off financially. Mm-hmm. And I know that they have their side projects. You know, isn't Pat's called The Special Goodness? Or is that Brian's? That's Pat. Yeah, The yeah. Special You know, so I know that they have their own projects. And... Uh, so maybe for them, you know, Re- Weezer has just become sort of this, um, you know, like working for the man, you know? Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't yeah. be surprised. Yeah, that's their corporate gig. Yeah, yeah. you know. Well, also, especially now. But, and the four of them yeah. get along well enough to tour and record, so it's okay, mm-hmm. you know? But not to get too hung up on the percussion, but oh, yeah. also the other the other thing is that's so cool about the production is that on every song, even the quieter songs, like the kick drum, everything is so upfront. Yeah. It's so I mean it's really high in the mix. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it really hits you. Yeah. And I think that's sort of one of the reasons why it takes a few more listens to realize how melodic the album is mm-hmm. because the percussive elements are right. so prominent initially. Right. And it's noisy and it's messy and it's, yeah. it sounds live. Like yeah. Yeah. you know what I mean? Unlike the first one, which was Although it's yeah, it's it's precise. It's cleaner, mm-hmm. like not cleaner in terms of like tone, but cleaner in terms of like it's it's power pop. It's you know sharper. Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah. And that was very intentional because they were a really messy band before that record happened. Yeah, and it was it was like removing the excess when they were making mm-hmm. that record. Like, and then how can yeah, we Rick Ocasek helped with that. Right. He was the producer from, from the, the Cars. cars. Yay! Yeah. Um, <laughs> I did it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should talk about some songs, right? Yeah, it's time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, but that was What's a good up, yeah. that was a good overview. Oh, yeah. But, like I yeah. do want to talk about the songs. So like 
I just want to go around in a little sharing circle mm-hmm. and start with you, Jason. What's your favorite song from this record? It's really hard for me to pick because mm-hmm. all of them. This record's like a piece of my identity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Give me uh, a favorite child. But it's Across the Sea is my favorite one, which okay. is mm-hmm. the song inspired by the fan letter. Um, probably the most problematic I was and, about to say, and yeah. scary song. Yeah. But every single member of the band is just is contributing such sophisticated stuff to that song. Uh, the drum fills are so emotional. There's a live take of the song from 2005, actually, like when they were touring for Make Believe, but it's a, a show they played in Japan, uh, and they highlight the drummer really well, and he's doing the same stuff, but just like you could see him almost like breaking down while he's playing. It's amazing. <laughs> um, and then the lyrics are such... a like twisted push pull mess of rivers feeling all of these things and then immediately regretting them and apologizing mm-hmm. for them mm-hmm. and he i mean he wonders how he wonders about her masturbating right. he speaks about that but every single chorus ends with him catching himself and saying i could never touch you i think it would be wrong mm-hmm. and the only thing that's ever going to happen between us is that i've got your letter and you've yeah. got my song that's as far as this can go um I, I'm blown away by it. It, it, yeah. it. Maybe there are other songs I like vibe to more, but I'm just most impressed by that song. Yeah. I mean, is there? I do want to talk about the problematic Please. elements yeah, we of ought it. To. Me but, too, because yeah. it is a beautiful <laughs> song, and it and it's it's probably the most dynamic song maybe on the album too. Because I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, musically and lyrically, it takes you all over the place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But and it really embodies that Weezer quiet loud like yeah, trope that God, like yeah. people talk about yeah. with that yeah. band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, like it. Yeah, I mean everyone draws a line from the Pixies to everything, but yeah, blah blah. Yeah, but yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but but yeah, as someone who studied abroad in Japan and yeah. dated wow. someone in Japan and dated a Japanese girl, I like, never knew this about. I knew you studied abroad. But I'm I know you just dated revealing. A Japanese girl. Uh, I don't. Yeah, uh, I don't know what was more revealing: me saying that or. Uh, saying that I played Risk Online in my whole freshman year of college. But, yeah, there is this really... I mean, it's not it's not just, you know, sexualizing and, uh, you know, objectifying women, which he can do sometimes, but it's, like, this very specific, like, fetishization mm-hmm. of Asian women and Japanese women and... I don't know. What do you think about that? It's it's really hard to reconcile and understand. Um, and and there's also an element of like she's she's just eighteen, you know? right? She is, like she's she could have been seventeen, right? Right. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I do think that he does not fully. If you look at the record as a whole, he doesn't contextualize it enough mm-hmm. to make it seem that this is my dark side these aren't habits you should mimic these aren't things i'm celebrating i'm kind of tearing them apart inside of myself i do think he tried to do that yeah um and i wonder how much he succeeded well i think it's gross and how (laughs) dare he no 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 um you know i this when i started listening to this album a lot of it really resonated for me and something was I was was going I was going through at the time, which I've actually talked about on my other podcasts. Mm-hmm. I'm more than happy to talk 
about it these days um, is that I was a counselor at a summer camp and I had this like huge infatuation for this like 15 year old boy. And I was at the time like 19 and the next year he was 16 and I was 20 and nothing happened between us. Although there was later on, later on when everything would have been chill and cool, there was a discussion that we had about something perhaps happening. And then my heart really got broken. And that was a few years later when I was like 22 and he was like 18. But the thing about that, that made me, I've realized, cause I've had to do a lot of unpacking about that over the years is that we don't acknowledge that young people can be attractive mm-hmm. and that there can be things about them that draws us to them. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're not really trained as to like why that relationship would be inappropriate Mm -hmm. and we're not really trained when it comes to boundaries Mm -hmm. and uh i've always thought and that's i think why everybody gets themselves in trouble Mm -hmm. like like that's why i think you know so many men behave inappropriately and i'm not making any excuses for men that are abusers or make the workplace an uncomfortable place for women or for Mm -hmm. other men or whatever i'm not making any excuses for them but it's it's because these conversations aren't out in the open mm-hmm. that I think a lot of guys think they can get away with it. Yeah. And something I really appreciate about Across the Sea, and I've always appreciated about it, is that it is a pretty frank portrait of someone right. trying to develop language for the feelings that he's having. Right. And, uh, and concepts around these topics that are ver- verboten, you know, right. in society. You know, it's right. like... And for me, as a, as a queer dude, what it reminds me so much of is friends of mine where I'm like, you know, like, when did you know you were a gay woman? Like, I have these older friends and I had this conversation that was so formative on me. And I think it connects with the song is um, uh, a woman, a friend of mine who was an older woman. And I was like, when do you realize you were gay? And she was like, you know, I didn't even know what the word lesbian meant growing up. Mm-hmm. However, when I saw my future wife ride by on her bicycle... I knew that there was something different about me and I had these feelings and then it was my job to like work to define what these were. Mm -hmm. And in terms of Rivers, it's like, I think this is so much a peek into his process of trying to figure that all out, you know? Right. Um, And the song doesn't end with like, and then we fell in love and everything's clearly fine. So like, I think it's acceptable, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and And that's the, I mean, that's, that's what's tough about this, and and also we're having a discussion about this in 2018. That yeah, I mean, talk about not having the language. There was so little discussion about any of this mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah, ninety five, ninety six. Academically, you know. Uh, yeah, but I do think it's a valid, or it's at least relevant that this, as you're saying, Louis, this is such a bold, gigantic, complicated expression of male emotion. Okay. Yeah. He is so this if this record is nothing else it's vulnerable. It's just yeah, pure well, vulnerability yeah. from start to finish, which I think that in and of itself is really huge and really yeah. cool. It's certainly well, been Well, so huge because that's emo, that's emo. Yeah. Like that's what it's so huge that it's spawned emo. Like people were like, "Whoa, holy shit." Like mm-hmm. Yeah, it's almost like a whole other group of musicians heard Pinkerton and were like, "We need to be talking about all of this more, so yeah. we need to take this up." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't exclude the fact though that He's putting every woman on a pedestal. Yes. He's he's just a mess. Right. Yeah. Yes. Totally. Yeah. He manic pixie dream girls these Oh god. These these women. Yeah. You know, they either they're the most important or they've legitimately ruined his life. Mm-hmm. Right. You know. 
Yeah. What What's your favorite song from this record? My favorite Kyle. song. Uh, my favorite song is "A Good Life," mm. and um, for a number of reasons, it's just really, really like. It's just so it's very catchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really catchy, and then also I can relate to that. I personally, I mean, I feel like it, 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 everyone can feel. Uh, with one of these songs vulnerable in the way or or like you know feel the same way he feels and just the idea of like romanticizing a past version of yourself that you thought was cooler than you are now mm-hmm. and both romanticizing it but then realizing that it it's um uh artificial you know cuz it's he, that's what i love about the, this is another complicated song i think cuz i on the surface it sounds like even for this album, a little jokey, like literally says the word booty in it. Yeah, and, yes. and like yeah, um, yeah. I like, feel that's real shades of rivers to come. Yeah. Actually, is that line when I hear it now? I'm like, this is later album Weezer, or like in its gestation form. But I think yeah. he's like making fun of himself, like because I I hear that song, and I mean this is clearly like also I think what's very emo about this album is that like what he's talking about on these songs is exactly what he's talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Everything he's saying is exactly what you think he's talking about. Which people have often mischaracterized Weezer for that way. They like, they think it's all irony and all sarcasm. No, no, no. Especially this album. And that's emo too. Is like, and that's why people hate on emo and that's why like emo, it can be really good and I like a lot of emo music and I love this album but it's not cool because like there's, it's pure sincerity. It's a hundred percent sincerity. Yeah. Um, but on this song, like, it's like both the feeling that like, man, I was being like a total poser like two years ago when I was like touring for the Blue Album and fucking all the time <laughs> and like being a cool guy and hanging out with like whatever Rick Rubin and blah blah blah. blah, 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 blah you know? <laughs> but. Then no, uh, no offense, Rick. We love yeah, you. Come exactly. on our show. Yeah, but, like. but then so like recognizing that I was totally phony, but then also like, fuck. Now I'm lonely again, and I need to like turn up the phoniness to have some fun again. Like yeah. I can relate to that a lot. Like mm-hmm. you know, like the times when like you know I was like being like pretty like in high, in high school I was like super phony, but like you know or like different times in your life when you like are not don't feel like you're being yourself but then like when you you know you can feel lonely sometimes and like fuck i wish i was like just beyond turn it on like so i can have fun yeah 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 yeah. um something about weezer that jason's told me before that i think is important to loop back to here is rivers has claimed that he has never written ironically Mm -hmm. anything ever yeah so that which means that we have to take Everything he's written, including The Good Life, which yeah. I think is, like, a pretty honest sentiment in a yeah. way that's really fun, and also, like, Beverly Hills yes. as being, like, this is how I really feel. And that's why that song fucking sucks. Totally! <laughs> and it's why fans get, you know, are mad at Weezer. Yeah. You know, right. so often modern Weezer, you right. know? Well, we um, should come back to that because... Yeah, we'll talk about it later. Yeah, well, yeah, The fact that Beverly Hills is sincere 
and mm-hmm. still phony and right. superficial is because Pinkerton tanked and he could never do it again. Yeah, right. and he yes. decided to hide himself away. Yeah, and so that's is all we're going to get anymore. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. it's almost like a punishment to us. It's yeah. almost like he's punishing us. Yeah, we don't tragic. deserve it, yeah. Rivers. Yeah, he keeps doing that. I think it's okay to talk about that now and that I do think he keeps yanking the mat from under us it's very mm-hmm. hard to be a fan of this band yeah i haven't ever listened all the way through to hurley or ratitude which are some of their mid-period yeah. albums and then i remember like semi enjoying everything will be all right in the end when it came out and semi and listening a little bit to the white album as well but it took jason and those are their uh their last two albums before their current album yeah. and it took Jason to be like no 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 a lot of this is real Weezer and then I listen I've been listening to them a lot in the last few months I'm like yes this is real Weezer it's not quite as deep yeah. it's not quite as um, raw or complicated but it has that like really pretty emotional core that beautiful emotional core that I like in the band yeah, yeah. and then they and then he released um, the new one what's it called again Pacific Daydream yeah Pacific Daydream which is really for me at least unlistenable mm-hmm. yeah yeah again I, I, I listen to like one song off of it mm-hmm. the, the Beach Boys song tough the shitty Beach Boys song no he, there's a song I called Beach Boys where he sings about listening to the Beach Boys yeah, yeah, yeah. and it makes me but it's wanna... like written for the club it's like yeah, yeah. It's awful. Yeah, yeah it's like are, out, are you listening. singing about Mike Love? Because that's a problem. Yeah, yeah like, really yeah. might be. Yeah, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's like as if someone wrote a song saying they love the Beach Boys, but it's only the Mike Love. Yeah, but they're like, like but they're yeah, like, yeah, yeah, like, like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, like singing about the Beach Boys, and it's yeah. like Mike Love, Bruce Johnston, yeah. John fucking Stamos. Yeah, Those yeah, are my yeah, Beach yeah, Boys. My beach oh, boys. barf. To um, say one more thing about Good Life, you, yeah, yeah. you get on that that two-part solo, which is just yeah. all rock, crazy, and yes. music, mm-hmm. and then just slides into halftime. Yes, 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 yeah, that's a seamless, yeah, yeah. And then the polyrhythm mm. thing I mentioned, the most specific part of it is in The Good Life. Right after the first chorus, Pat Wilson gives this fill in three. Yeah. That is just like sloppy McFloppy, <laughs> which is just perfectly like encapsulating what the narrator of the song is talking about. Like, get me out of bed, back to be a real person again. Yeah, it's so great. Yeah, mm. Louis. Um, why bother? Yeah, it really hit me hard when I was like twenty, listening mm-hmm. to it for the first time. It makes so much sense to me. So much about. What am I? What word am I looking for? I I don't want to say missed expectations or lowered expectations, but expecting one thing of someone, mm-hmm. and then realizing that something else entirely is going to happen, mm-hmm. and you know, and also like feeling like a deep love for someone, and like part of you knowing that it's going to fail, mm-hmm. and this wow. is this is something that I think me and Rivers have in common is I don't know if me as a human. Or Rivers Cuomo as a human, if we think we actually deserve love, mm-hmm. you know, and that's been like literally my journey as an adult. Mm-hmm. It's like, do I deserve someone to love me? Mm-hmm. Because most of my experiences point to me thinking I deserve that and then it being thrown in my face. Mm-hmm. And I think that is actually what Rivers is singing about. I certainly identify with that feeling too yeah 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 you know and and um and i definitely don't want to make it like woe is me this is how i always feel i feel it's more complicated than that and i feel like but i feel like 
this is the song I put on when I am feeling that way, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is, a, I think, a base human emotion that we all feel, you know, when we're looking for, like, you know, romantic love, you know. Uh, so I think he captures that so well on the song. I think it's just a really well-written song yeah. Yeah. as well. Um, Probably Sharp's best bass line ever. Yeah. It's so fast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and also, like, too it also where it falls on the album i think is really smart yeah and i feel like that's sort of like him setting us up for like this is what this is what i'm gonna be singing about for this record is like these big emotions yeah so yeah that's that's why i like it so much other I, I really like this whole album all the way through i think it's oh, yeah it's definitely a fun one to talk about i think that it's all killer no filler <laughs> me too yeah. yeah to use a fancy um music critic phrase <laughs> <laughs> probably a, that album is to send into pinkerton right some 41 oh yeah i forgot they use that from their titles <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah i think why bother is actually a big transition moment for the record like you're saying because mm-hmm. you get and it's interesting you mentioned the placement because this the, the album is set in the order that it was written chronologically. Really? <gasps> what? That yes. I did not know. Isn't that wild? That like, is amazing. Do you know why? Or like any... I think it was him saying, I want to lay this out as honestly as possible. Interesting. And I don't want to mess with it. Um, mm-hmm. And it works. <laughs> it's crazy. But those first couple songs are so jarring. It's like if he wanted to just punch you in the face saying this is not the Blue Album anymore, he really did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, really Tired of Sex is such a shocker. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Yeah. can we talk about Tired of Sex for a oh, second? Yeah, yeah oh, well, yeah. I, I think we should talk about the rest of the songs, you know, that we haven't addressed yet. Yeah, This, yeah. this might be a good time Whatever, to do it. Yeah, yeah. So Tired of Sex is the first one. We can wrap it up with one. just anything else. Yeah. But that, to start with that song, after the Blue Album came out, and then, like... That, well, because we, you know, when when we when after this album tanked and Weezer and you know Rivers didn't record for five years, like he was like ashamed, like mm-hmm. like he was like embarrassed. And I would listen. I mean, I think it's a great song. The whole album's great. It's you know, but like if I was him and you you start with that song, like I get it. Yeah. Because like literally, like he like because the last thing anyone's heard from this band was the Blue Album. They're a huge huge band mm-hmm. and the first thing is like he's literally doing a song where he's like naming women yes and, like <laughs> talking about how he's like tired of having sex but he's so honest about it he's not doing like a Lou Bega like Tina in my life yeah. like you know what I mean like that's like, such a funny comparison oh my that's amazing but like it's 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 a fucked up like super honest like distant inbred second cousin of that whole thing because mm-hmm. he's literally yes. naming women but he's just literally like it's like he it does feel like he was alone in a room and wrote this and then he released it to the world and did not think about it, the context or how it would like be mm-hmm. 
and it's it's and you have to be doing it so honestly to really put that as your first song because like yeah you it's... could imagine people being like fuck you dude like you know they it's... did that's what they said yeah yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. people yeah. got mad at him yeah right because exactly. it in itself is is very punk yeah like to go from um <laughs> Only in Dreams, which yeah. is the final song yeah, on the Blue I know, album. You think about it like yeah, like that, and then jump to Tired of Sex. Right. If you listen to the two albums back to back, which right. I actually recommend doing because I think yeah, they're yeah. very good companion pieces to each other. Yeah. But like, if you do that, it's so funny to go from that grandiose, sweeping, very like gently emotional song to like. I'm tired of having sex. Yeah. I'm tired of banging these girls. Yeah, yeah. This is not <laughs> yeah. this is not satisfying to me anymore. Yeah. You know? But we've all been in periods. I think this is what he's addressing that I totally understand where we've been in and this is also total male emotion privilege yeah. train yep. that I think we can all speak towards is having like a good amount of sex. Mm-hmm. But not having sex with the right person, you know? Yes, <laughs> like, but I want yeah. from the other end, I mm-hmm. think it's like the anti, like, toxic masculinity song in a lot of ways because, mm-hmm. like, there is this male thing of, like, dude, I need to fucking get laid every day. Like, <laughs> I don't get, if I don't get a nut off, like, blah, blah, blah. This like, is my favorite version like, of Kyle, by the way. Yeah, that guy, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, like, I, I, yeah, like, I literally did see, like, this guy from high school like recently who is like that type of guy and Mm -hmm. like I thought about this like being like the anti that because admitting for a man that you don't want to have sex is so vulnerable yes like it's really honest and actually Mm -hmm. kind of like groundbreaking and fucking awesome to say like I don't want to have sex yeah like it's crazy yeah and yeah, it's just nuts. And, like, the only thing is also is, like, this song, like, even if it was coming from the perspective of, like, a rock star who's, like, tired of having sex, like, this song is, like, the most emo song, I think. Like, oh, boy. I think, like, in a lot of ways, or not not maybe the most emo, but, like, I think in, in so many ways this is... First of all, he's, like, the scream... Like, when he does those, like, screams, like, that's emo. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, when he... Uh, and, like, just admitting that you don't want to have sex is, like, yeah. such a vulnerable thing to The say. first verse is at an octave, or the second verse he is up an entire octave for it. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. That feels totally emo to me. Yeah. There's a backing vocal from Brian, what's a guy to do? He yells <laughs> that out at the end. Really? Which is always, in other, like, tropes, is what's a girl to do, I feel like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they just flipped that, and I think really interesting. The... Solo is one of his most famous. He goes yes. off of the fretboard. Yes. He goes further up on the neck than the fretboard. Really? Yeah, it's insane. Oh, um, that solo is, like, crazy and very good, but, uh, well, what do you think of the solo? I really like it, but it's, yeah. it's really trashy, crazy. It kind of harkens back to his hair metal days, in yes. a way. Yeah. Um, I wanted to say what we're talking about with the, the privilege stuff and the yeah. radical thing of saying I don't want to have sex that it's such nutshell of does Pinkerton contextualize itself well enough. Right. Because this song could still be offensive. Right. It could still be ugly and gross, but it's probably, I mean, almost certainly coming from a place of like, I hate everything I've been doing. I need to change. Right. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. complicated. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, it's, yeah. it's also like, uh, deals with his conflicted feelings about himself mm-hmm. and that he's like, 
I feel like this is what I do as a rock star and part of me is enjoying it. Yes. However, part of me is also disgusted with myself. Yeah. You know, a good life is an immediate abandoning of all of what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. I want to go right back. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I don't even know how I, I got off thought... the track. Yes. You know? No, yeah. I, exactly. I think they're like, and that's like, he can do that. Like yeah. he can say, and both are true. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the record, the last lyrics are just saying, I'm so, so sorry. I'm sorry for all of it. Yeah. 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 Speaking of which, let, let's go through more because, yeah, mm-hmm. I want, definitely want to talk about Butterfly. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about... talk about El Scorcho, right? Yeah. We have, yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, Get You is next, which oh, also feels like a fucking planet falling apart, that yeah. song. <laughs> like, the, mess the, in the, best the Pitchfork review of the Deluxe Edition called the chorus a fist hitting a wall yeah 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 it really (laughs) is yeah i think he's at his most villainous on this song yeah Mm -hmm. he's just like in a corner hating himself yelling and screaming and the the chorus is just he's saying i'm gonna get you you. Mm -hmm. yeah and he means we're gonna live a life together and love each other i think i I don't know (laughs) yeah but he says it via i'm gonna like capture you yeah it's really scary yeah yeah and this is classic we're gonna let these men get away with this on an album thing, but that's okay. Like, I think it's a healthy form of expression. I think mm-hmm. that sense of ownership is something that happens in in rom- in romance and yeah. you know and all that stuff. But you know, it's like to me, it reminds me a lot of like because apparently my big reference is the Beatles today, yeah. mm-hmm. but it reminds me a lot of like gonna run for your life while you can, little yeah. girl. You know, was that after Please Please Me? Yes. Okay. So you don't know it, <laughs> okay, but cool. we'll do a catch up sesh okay, after cool. this. All yeah. Right. Will be like this is Ringo. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's the new one. Yeah, he's the new one. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But um, it is a predatory, aggressive song. It's yeah. Scary. Yeah, um, I agree. And then no other one. Then no other one. God, yeah. This album really just—he's like digging himself in a hole of like I'm a sad boy now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But imagine for one second if it started with the good life. If the record started with the good life. I think it. It could have been a smash. Hit. I was about he to just say, put the it would have hits been... up front. Yeah, yeah. Like, talk about shake your booty right up top. Like, yeah. come on, yeah. It's, that's, that's a good point. That's on. Uh, yeah, you get tired. That's of on Z one hundred. Tired of sex gets you no other no other one. Yeah, it's just dissonance, dissonance, dissonance. And all these like yeah. power pop people were like, no, no, no. Yeah. I'm going to go back to listening to super furry animals. Exactly. Or like, yeah. Right, like yeah. that kind of shit. Yeah. Right. Yeah. One hundred percent. Yeah. No other one. I do think is dressed up to be angstier than it is as a song. Uh, That's almost more of their classic like fifties uh, songwritery trope songs. Mm-hmm. Like a, it's more ballady. Yeah, it like feels I almost more if, like Mikel and Car- Mikel and Carly or something like that. You know. I think if yeah. it was played acoustic and a little more straightforward, it could be very sing songy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then we got Why Bother, which we talked about, which I think then starts it off as like. This is where the really melodic, rich stuff happens mm-hmm. from here on out. Because then it's Across the Sea, which is the most melodic song on the album. Yeah. And then it's The Good Life, Woo-hoo! which we talked Shit. about. Yeah, so that's Marty interesting <laughs> that it's our three favorites in a row. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. And then it's um, the El single. Scorcho. <laughs> the single. The single, which is a poor choice of a single, in my opinion. Interesting. Really? Yes. I think that The Good Life, which was I the second single... Be, g- should Wait, have been the first single? single. 
was, was second. It? it was the oh, second single. I thought it was just, but yeah. Pink Triangle was a single too, right? Pink Triangle was the third, and it didn't get a video. It didn't get like as big a release. Yeah, Pink, yeah. Pink Triangle, the chasing Amy of songs, which yes. we will discuss. That's yeah. some more problematic stuff. Yeah, yeah. Right? I will, mm-hmm. well, well, let's start with yes. El Scorcho. Yeah. Okay. So El Scorcho, which is great. I love El Scorcho. That was, before I started um, like listening to this album, th- I mean, just because it was the big single. This yeah, yeah. One. I mean, this is people know this song. People yeah. know this song. Like if you even if like because. Fans of Pink- there are p- fans of Pinkerton, but then there are like casual fans of Weezer, and I think they casual fans of Weezer, I think still know this song. Yeah, I think some, but probably less than the certainly not a mainstream hit. Yeah, right? no, yeah. no, only for some people that maybe were a lot not alive, but like were a certain age at a certain time. You yeah. know, it gets as close to big time success as Pinkerton ever does, though. Yes, yes. it's yeah. a pretty well known. Yeah. yeah, and it's got a Green Day reference. It does. But but the reason yeah. why I say it's a bad first single compared to the Good Life is that like. It's also very meandery lyrically yeah. and really delves into like kind of an experimental form yeah. and then hits again being chorusy, but it doesn't quite have the hook you need for the radio to be like, mm, here we go, you know? Yes, but then again, I was singing that, but then again, like, because I think about this and like, I have other stuff to say about uh, Pink Triangle and all of that, but like, also, this was the 90s. And, like, weird shit was becoming hmm. hit. Like, Primus was having hits. Yes. Like, legit hits. Yes, that's So, like, true. It's, not, it's not the same universe. Like, it was a <laughs> weird little world. So, yeah. like, I think, I think, I mean, maybe tracking could have been different, but part of me thinks that just, like, all the critics shitting on it really stopped it in its tracks. Because mm-hmm. I think this... Like under a different set of circumstances, the exact same songs and this album could have been huge. Totally, Rolling Stone called it the second worst album of 1996. Yes. Yeah, 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 they just didn't get it. Yeah, you know, Rolling Stone also called Devo fascists. Yeah, you know, which we talk about in our last episode. Like, yeah. you know, Rolling Stone in a lot of ways is the establishment. Yeah. And a lot of times when you, yeah, I know, me saying that is not a huge thing. <laughs> no, no, no. Guess no, no, what, guys? Sorry, Rolling I didn't Stone mean to be like. I, I didn't mean to be like. Yeah, we know. <laughs> no, okay, but, but if you if you really even look now at the kind of stuff that they are really, really, really into, it's you listen to it and it's like, okay, guys, yeah. you know, it's They're never kind of anything step that, behind, yeah, yeah, it's never yeah. anything that really blows your mind that makes you go. I also feel the same way about Pitchfork these days as well. Sure. Like I think Pitchfork's sort of gotten a little safe in its recommendations and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but that Pitchfork being... just talks about more stuff than Rolling Stone. Exactly, like they That's just the have thing. a b- bigger so, coverage. There's yeah. just a better beat. But yeah. like, but Rolling Stone's got it, you know, wrong a lot of the time, and they're definitely wrong when it comes to Pinkerton and what it means to a lot of people. But that... Scorcho, right? It's just like yeah, Technicolor Joy. Yeah, it's. I think it's in many ways the like other side of the coin of all of the cowering in the corner thing in that it's this kind of manic out of control mm-hmm. yeah. euphoria yeah yeah uh, right yeah mm-hmm. and i think it's a lot of dreaming i mean i i i think the person he's addressing in the chorus he's probably had like a passing conversation with right him. i think that's the thing right? and he's decided oh wow i really know that you're the one for me yeah and i really can identify with that from my experience in my first couple of years of college, just like meeting people in the art scene at NYU for one second. And they have like a, like Bob, like kind of cut off haircut. <laughs> and then I remember having this realization that it felt so funky for me 
I, there's this one particular girl with like really cut off short blonde hair and every time I would see someone with that haircut in the village I was like oh, it's her and <laughs> yeah. it could be it, it was never her I was just like on my toes for it to be her and I didn't know her at all right. and El Scorcho is that exactly it's pedestal yeah. you know yeah and I, and I think especially with this being a first single like all the criticism is about this like oh it's juvenile it's mm. you know it's uh, yeah, immature mm-hmm. like I think it also, this embodies all the initial criticism. Yeah, it also doesn't paint the singer, like the the, the narrator Rivers, in a positive light again. Mm-hmm. And I think it just is, you know, I you know, uh, I read your diary. Yeah. You know, like he's he's sleazy in the song. You know, it's not yep. a positive. And I just think that for the audience at the time listening to the radio, they were like, I need to hear about this creepy guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like honestly, you know, it's not like hidden stalkerism the way that like right. sting is you know right, like the police right, right. like it's like in that vein but like police is like i'm gonna really hook it up yeah, while yeah, i sing yeah, about yeah, 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 you know yeah. i'll be watching you yeah. you know um or blondie one way or another which right. is about a, a stalker she had you right. know right. yeah yeah that's what it's about you know and then here's this and it's like oh yeah. no yeah <laughs> yeah next up is pink triangle all right i have a lot to say about this oh my god me too mm-hmm. i mean so fucking catchy. Jason's I never love... heard this song, so he has nothing no, to say. Oh, really? Time. First yeah. time. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. He stopped. He stopped after El Scorch. You, yeah. yeah. like... you heard the single on the radio, and then you're just like, "Well, I'm yeah, done. Yeah, yeah. Um, Time to make myself a grilled cheese." Yeah. I think. I think. Also, talk about like another circumstances. I think this song. Well, this is okay. So, if it had been like less like Rivers' vulnerability, I think this could have been like a Stacy's mom type of thing do you know what i mean like it's like it's like i like it's kind of a quirky concept and a a little bit of a like a novelty concept a little bit if it wasn't so sincere it's very sitcom yeah yeah exactly exactly have you guys seen chasing amy no it's is that the um it's a kevin Kevin smith movie that came out around the same time yeah that stars ben affleck as the lead oh and he's in love with a girl who's a lesbian yeah he's in love with a girl who's a lesbian and i I, these really occupy the same brain in my the same space in my pop culture brain because they're very much straight male expressions of beginning to come to terms with the fact that there's a queer world yes yes and and i don't think there's anything wrong with that's so funny i don't think there's anything wrong i don't think there's anything wrong with that you know but like as a gay guy like i just think it's like straight guys parsing it out and like god bless them for trying you know i'm cool with it especially in 1996 yeah he could have been there are a lot of he could have been like I mean, there's obviously the one line where he's like, why can't you be a little bit straight? Which is problematic, no matter how you parse it, I think. Well, no, what he sings is, everyone's a little queer, so why can't you be a little straight? Yes. And I could certainly say that there have been many a gentleman who I've felt the exact opposite about, so I think it comes from a really true place. Where I'm like, well, isn't everybody a little queer? Aren't you a little queer, too? Like, I Mm. think it's just he's playing off of that trope, you know? Yeah, yeah, I'm cool with it as okay. a gay guy. It okay. gets the gay Louis seal of approval. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, but I also Which, can understand why some people might take umbrage to it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Which post Pinkerton Rivers in his distorted weirdness, <laughs> yeah, I think uh, does not exactly shape up as well. I mean, there's that Maladroit lyric, right? Uh, fag of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing oh, about really? 
In oh context, yeah, I've never heard that. He sings um, a song know. which is the which is the single from a later album where he sings "Fag of the of the Year." Who could beat up your man? Mm-hmm. And doesn't he also sing "Fag" in Hashpipe as well? I don't know. Maybe no, no. I must be wrong no, about that. No, I must no. just be he's, thinking about he's dope. Knowing on some sexuality stuff in that song. Yeah, so. I mean, yeah. Well, we've come. I'm sorry, we've come a long way um, since 2001, 2002, mm-hmm. and there's a lot at the time that I put up with as a young gay guy for my straight friends that I would not put up with now, nor would I expect a young gay guy to put up with. Yeah. That's what I'm going to say, you know? And I yeah. think that, once again, it's all part of the process. And mm-hmm. I don't feel Rivers would use the word fag anymore because it's become a very loaded term, where at the time, straight dudes used to call each other fag and not understand why it was hurting someone else or why right. it was demeaning someone else. Yeah. yeah. So it's it's okay. But yeah, Pink Triangle, I think, is really a much more nuanced expression of a lot of those feelings, you yeah. know? Um, yeah, I've, I've always really liked that song, and it's very catchy. Yeah. We've all been singing it this week. Like, yeah, 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 Like, I'm singing it too. Oh my yeah, god! Yeah, yeah. yeah, you're like, I was singing it today, which is so funny. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. I think it's a. I think it's great. I also just like at the time, and this is a representation thing. Any reference to gay people in a straight expression right. that wasn't derogatory, yeah. for me was very it's important. Definitely not derogatory. It's no. like he honors and respects that she's gay but he's just pissed because he's in love with her yeah Yeah. and we've all been in love with gay people or straight people you know depending on your orientation yeah for sure falling for you yeah boy the big art song of the record of the the art record right? yeah yeah this one's so interesting and it's uh probably their toughest chord progression to play like the most interesting chord progression Mm -hmm. of their whole discography Hmm. and the song where he says um, he calls himself a little old three chord me. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never realized delicious. that. Delicious. It's amazing. Yeah, the cello comes back in this one. There's a lot of like group turning themes. Mm. I think this is lyrically the most abstract he ever really gets. There's not a lot of narrative or even like who, what, where mm-hmm, in this song. Mm-hmm. Which he has a lot of sitcom y who, what, where stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. Interesting. And it's... The chorus is heavy, too, mm-hmm. and, like, you could also describe it as, like, a little bit punching whatever was punching a wall. Yeah, or, yeah, I yeah. feel like a little bit in the chorus. What, let's talk about Butterfly. <sighs> I love Butterfly. It's so gorgeous! <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. Um, and I had... It, it became so much better and amazing to me after we saw Madonna Butterfly. Yeah, because... There's, tell the listeners the reason there's why. There's lyrics lifted right out of the show. It's the oh, really? only time where mm-hmm. he's really directly connecting to it. And I think without that song, you lose a lot of the substance of the theme that he's... Mm. You know, all of the inspiration he's drawing. Um, he says, I told you I would return when the robin makes its nest, but I'm not... I'm never coming back, something like that. The the I told you when I would return when the robin makes its nest is a direct... Um, quote we were struggling a lot with watching the opera wondering about whether or not Rivers was casting himself as the bad guy and wondering whether or not Puccini was casting his character as the bad guy and whether or not the modern production we were watching Mm -hmm. was looking back on it and casting him as the bad guy yeah and I think the show really did the one we saw really made Pinkerton a villain yes and I think Rivers got almost there and he got there sometimes, but then he backpedaled. And yeah. it's really hard to say. Butterfly, at the very least, though, like I said before, 
he finishes it off by I think he's really truly saying I'm sorry for the whole thing I you just listened to. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like if any of it was bad, I'm sorry. Yeah. You know, if anything made was hard for you yeah. or brought up things for you that were hard, I'm sorry. You know, I'm sorry that I took you here after tricking you with Buddy Holly. Yeah. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, that's that's a lovely thing. I mean, it's such an intimate album. Goodness. It just feels like he's right up in your ears on this album the whole way through. And you really get a peek inside his head. And it's such, a, you know, we talked about this a little bit already, but it's such a shame we just don't get, we never get that 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 view of him again. You know, we never get that, that unfettered access to him. Mm-hmm. And it feels like that is... Like a little like losing a friend, yeah. You know, I, I certainly remember really getting very into the Blue Album in my first year of college. So it already been out for about uh, four years, and then getting into Pinkerton around my second year, and then the third year is when the Green Album came out, and we were all so excited, mm-hmm. and it was like what is this look at the photograph look at the photograph of love and that was one of the better songs on the album you know or being like oh you know island in the sun is nice you know like it really felt like it really felt like a friend that you used to have these big important like drunken discussions with at the bar until three in the morning you don't see him for a year, let's say. He comes back and you're like, how are you? And he's like, I'm great. Everything's fine now. Yeah, it's yeah. It's like a lobotomy. Right. Yeah, 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 a yeah. lobotomy. A teenage lobotomy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah like, Throwback. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it is. It's it's so strange that that happened, but, you know? But, but isn't what... Because what I heard... Like, he now recognizes that Pinkerton is beloved. Right? Yeah. Doesn't he know that? Mm-hmm. Yes, but that makes it more complicated. One of tell, my, one tell, of my favorite... tell, tell Kyle what's happened with all that <laughs> in the last few years. One of my yeah. favorite contributions I ever made to Weezerpedia. <laughs> you can see it on the Pinkerton entry. Yeah. Is I tried to collect what he has said about the record over the years. Yeah. And it varies from the beginning of him saying, like, this is the most ambitious thing. It talks about my dark side, but I think you'll like it if you give it a shot. Blah, yeah. blah, blah. To then in like 2001 when the Green Album comes out, he calls it a hideous mistake. Yeah. He, he, this is like almost verbatim. Um, he says like, it's like getting really drunk at a party and spilling your guts and then waking up the next morning and realizing you've done something terrible. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is true. I get it. Yeah. Like, I get it. Yeah, we've all done that. And honestly, not, not to, like, if I was him and that happened to me, like, I might have done the same thing. Yeah. Honestly. Easy to understand. Yeah. Because what? then the Green Album was a multi-platinum yes, match. It's like the worst validation. Yeah. yeah. I, I have a friend who I got drunk around him. This was years ago. And I was embarrassed by some of the things that I said. And I emailed him the next day and I said, sorry if I got a little out of line. I think I had a little too much to drink. And his response was, hey, A, you weren't out of line. And B, you never have to worry about that with me. It's yeah. okay. Yeah. And I think that that's something that I wish we could say to Rivers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. okay. Really? You know, yeah. we understand. We've right. all, we all need that outlet sometimes. Yeah. And know? I think we're kind of sorry, too, right? Right. That, yeah. we, that your masterpiece we thought was bad. Yes, yeah. But, but mm-hmm. we never did, because we were not listening to them when it came out. Mm-hmm. Any but of we us. As, as a Americans. society. Well, you know, um, 
just to totally name drop because I'm in the mood, mm-hmm. one of the best things Tina Weymouth of the Talking Heads <laughs> said to me once while we were having a conversation was that the hardest thing is being ahead of your time. Yeah. That it's easy to be of your time, yeah. but being ahead of your time, yep. it makes for being a very unhappy person. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's it, something she said she wishes on nobody. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rivers has gotten more, he's warmed up to the idea of Pinkerton more. Uh, another Pitchfork interview he did like maybe five or six years ago, they asked him, what are you listening to? And he said, I'm listening to a lot of Pinkerton. Yes. I really love it. Really? And, and that makes sense yeah. with when what was he did. That was when he was putting out Everything Will Be Alright in the End yeah. and the White Album. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Two really solid records that aren't yeah. gigantic, amazing pieces of music, but they're great. Uh-huh. Uh, and are also a little more honest. Totally more honest. And, and more isn't ambitious. That, isn't that when he did, he played all of Pinkerton in a yes. live show the, as well? The Memories Tour. Which like, shocked everybody. This? Is this Blue Album Pinkerton? It was, I went and saw it, <laughs> and it was the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, returning to Butterfly, he finished, He played, would play that song at the end of the set by himself. And I, it made me cry yeah. watching him do it, finish yeah. the song, and an entire stadium of people erupting for him. Just right. finally saying, you did it right. This yeah. album is really special. Yeah. Yesterday I went outside With my mama's missing jar Caught a lovely butterfly When I woke up today Looking on my fairy pet She had Sighing in her breast. I'm sorry for what I did. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's nice to sort of hear that there's like a nice end to that story mm-hmm. uh, and the story of Pinkerton as a whole. And I hope that Rivers Cuomo as a as a singer who I you know we've all if you're a fan you've thought about him a lot because he's very com- complicated. I hope there's a nice end to his story as well. Mm-hmm. I'd love there to be a mellow out where he's like, I'm okay with being honest, you know, as opposed to every album being like legitimately frightening for people. Yeah. Oh my God, what's this going to be like? Or people having to make excuses. Mm-hmm. We're always trying with them. No, this one's good. This one's the one. That This one's good. This one's good again. And it's like, he just can't go there to make any of them good again. Yeah. You know? He's just kind of... You just gotta get back with B.O.B., you know? Magic, magic, (laughs) magic! (laughs) That's that's the golden era. Mm -hmm. And and on that note, this is a good segue into the song we want to talk about. So yeah, so Homewrecker by Vic Mensa. So first of all, you know, I don't don't know much about Vic Mensa, but he is a Chicago-based rapper. He's been on Def Jam, Virgin... He is like a frequent collaborator with Chance the Rapper as oh, well. Very cool. <laughs> I know you was crazy, but not this crazy. interesting this track right so first of all it samples the the like it loops um the guitar part from the good life the second a slide into halftime the slide into halftime 
And it's a really good use of the sample. Yeah. And I mean, this is certainly proof that rappers are listening to everything that has ever been recorded. Mm-hmm. Like, we made a joke earlier about, like, I finished all the music. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like most rappers <laughs> working today actually have finished all the music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I am I don't... I know of Vic Mensa. I haven't, like, um, finished the music when it comes to him. <laughs> but, um, but one thing, this song came out a year ago. There is this trend right now in rap where a lot of rappers are sampling emo. Hmm. Like, and sampling a lot of, like, amb- more ambient, ethereal, more ambient, ethereal type of samples. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this, like, really fits right into that. Mm-hmm. The, the guitar part works very bizarrely well. <laughs> it's like a, I was, I, I think hypnotic is the word yeah, to use. It's seriously. like kind of puts you in a, like, a state, in a daze. It's really strange underneath what he's rapping. What do we think of River's little outro? <laughs> I actually think it's kind of exciting to hear Rivers reinterpret one of his riffs mm. and write a lyric for it. So I'm into it. I think mm. it's very cool and it also is an acknowledgement of Pinkerton, which anytime I feel we're getting that from him is like a mm-hmm. minor triumph yeah. <laughs> in terms of like acknowledgement of his progression as an artist. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it was a little weird, I thought. I don't know, maybe, I like, I don't know, maybe I'll listen to it It's again. a little repetitive, what he's working on, but I yeah. I like that he's acknowledging Pinkerton. And yeah, oh yeah, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. Also, uh, what happened to his voice? Can we discuss this? Uh-huh. Something happened, and it's hard to describe. I guess he's getting old? It yeah. feels like he de-aged his voice, though, for the later albums. Oh, They don't yeah. feel as, it, it feels like he worked on his delivery in a way so that it's not as rough. Mm-hmm. And that he can't really sing that way anymore. Something happened where he smoothed out his his, his vocal cords. Yeah, he, I mean, I think he's done a lot of like dressing up his voice over the years. Yeah, uh, the 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 pre Blue album demos are really interesting to hear because he's singing like he's in a hair metal band. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's really grainy, scratchy, and then he like got vocal training and became the Rivers we know. Interesting. But then Pinkerton, of course, was so emotional. Green Album, he sang the entire thing through his nose, you know, mm-hmm. trying to sound sterile. And then Maladroy, he was, like, really wearing a lot of bravado, and I feel like he's yeah. trying to sound all masculine and everything. Mm-hmm. Since then, it's been a, like you're saying, it's a weird, he does sound still sort of stuck in his teenage years, <laughs> but he's older. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah. I wish I could speak more to what Mensa's up to on this track. It seems... Like he's, it's a pretty complicated, amazing yeah. piece. I yeah. just haven't sat with it long enough. Well, mm-hmm. that'll be for our audience members to, uh, you know, parse this track uh, and then hit us up. We're on uh, Twitter, we're <laughs> on Facebook, Kick the Jukebox, KT, JB. Uh, You're doing such a good job of yeah, this. I'm so you. proud of yeah, you. No problem. Um, but yeah, if you uh, if you know if you, you know if you have things to say about this track or anything we've discussed. Um, First, follow us on all social media, and then uh, you can do whatever you want, because after that, it's just mission accomplished for us. That's correct. And thanks to our special guest, Jason Boxer. Yay! You're the best. You're the first full, real special guest we've had. Wow. We did a really fun interview with a friend of mine that was just me and her, but this is so great. Mm -hmm. And really, your knowledge of this, I was thinking about this, your knowledge of of Weezer and specifically the chronology is so impressive. Yeah. I mean, I don't feel like I have 
a knowledge about any of my favorite acts mm-hmm. uh, in terms of what happened when, as well as you do just right off the top of your head when it comes to this band. It's it's in there. It's, yeah. It's in my brain. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think we can end... Uh, well, Jason, I we were reminiscing, I randomly met Jason at a Super Bowl party like a year ago, and before I had met you officially, <laughs> he was the dude, literally, I swear this is true, on one side of the room talking to his friends who bet him he couldn't name all the Weezer albums in order, and he did it. Of course he did! <laughs> but then it was, can you name every track on the albums? And oh, I got yes, like, that's true! I got like 95 Yeah, you really, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's true. I can vouch for that. I do remember that, too. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. Yes. Oh, wow. That is true. That's amazing. <laughs> I love that. Oh, jeez. So, wacky. this has been great. Kyle, as per usual, what a pleasure. Oh, always. <laughs> See you on the flip side. Yep. Kick the jukebox, it's so much fun. Kyle and Louie are number one. Kick the jukebox, kicking a rhyme. Talking about music all the time. Oh, yeah!